On today's episode, we delve into the devil's bargain that an intelligence program made in order to obtain advanced Nazi science. There's a rare isotope of hydrogen that gets us into heavy water. Loves a chemical reaction in the brain So let me be your Bunsen burner Let me be your naked flame Burn, baby, burn Let me be your Bunsen burner Burn, baby, burn Let me be your naked flame Burn, baby, burn Let me be your Bunsen burner Burn, baby, burn Let me be your naked flame Welcome to Light Your Bunsen Burner The science history podcast that lights up your mind I'm Mariela Rosas and joining me as always is a man that I kidnapped from a war-torn country because of his co-hosting abilities. The very best of the co-hosting abilities is going to be nominated to the one and the only Jonah Baker. How y'all doing, folks? <laughs> That's... what. What's like the German way of saying sir? Sir. Or, or like um, mister. I don't know. Because like for women, it's like Freilein. Is it? So the Freilein sitting in front of me today, I, I thought I knew her, but she's like totally different all of a sudden. She got some beer, some purple hair. I have some purple hair, guys. And yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you know what else I got, Jonah? What's that, Freilein? <laughs> <laughs> A really crazy story. Oh, what's up? Okay, so the one thing that has become really apparent over the couple dozen episodes that we've put out is how unnervingly often Nazis show up in the story. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like we like them or something. <laughs> we don't. No. I think we've made that really clear. So since this episode will publish around the beginning beginning of, a, of, of October. <laughs> yeah, beginning of time. <laughs> it'll publish at the beginning of October. Uh, so it'll kind of kick off our Halloween-themed episodes. Um, right. Halloween and, is the best time of year. Mm-hmm, it's spooky time. Not for Nazis, though. Nope. nope but no. you know what? What could possibly be scarier than our own government harboring possible Nazi war criminals in order to, you know, one-up one, one up the Soviet Union in the space race? Saying they didn't do it and having us believe them? That's horrifying. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I do want to say to everyone out there that this is kind of a dark episode because we are dealing with events involving the Holocaust. I try to keep the descriptions of these atrocities to a minimum, but they can't be avoided. Because unlike our own intelligence agencies, I don't plan on whitewashing what some of these people did. So Jonah, are you ready? I'm ready to learn about some Nazi idiots and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how we took advantage of it. Yup. <laughs> Uh, so we can't discuss the hungry, hungry, hippo-esque grab for German scientists following World War II without discussing the war itself. So let's briefly go through it. <laughs> There's a lot. All right. I think we know this story. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> so following the German defeat during World War I, the Allied powers imposed austere economic and military sanctions on Germany. Which Germany didn't really technically start the war. It was Aust- Austria-Hungary, but you know, say lovey. In short, the Gotta treaty. Point the finger somewhere. 
Well, I mean, they're the ones who were super aggressive about stuff. But anyways, uh, in short, the Treaty of Versailles held Germany responsible for war reparations. It stripped it of all its colonies, redrew its boundaries, and drastically limited its military capabilities. Germany reluctantly signed this treaty in protest. However, the severe penalties laid out by the treaty caused adverse economic effects in the country. So considering what would come next, the Weimar Republic was a pretty progressive government. And for a while, it was kind of, you know, steadying itself. However, deep economic and social unrest was rampant. The exorbitant cost of reparations and immense debt plunged the republic into hyperinflation. The German people became desperate, and desperation is the breeding ground of evil. Poor Germans. Yeah, actually. Yeah, they. So, because they're enthusiastic about what they do, they got reamed for it. Yeah. Kind, yeah, <laughs> that's what you get for being too, you know, enthusiastic and trying to get done stuff. So just be lazy, guys. That's right. Mm. <laughs> and fuck Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, steps in Adolf Hitler. Who's that guy? Some fucking dude. One piece oh, yeah? of shit, yeah. He, he kind of looked like Charlie Chaplin or some shit like that? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, So Hitler began leading the fledgling Nazi party in 1921, but by 1923, he was nothing more than a shithead and a pathetic radical. The failed beer hall putsch landed Hitler in prison for treason, but that lasted less than a year. And he wasn't in like a prison prison. He was kind of in this like... Like Martha Stewart style going to prison? No, he was like in a castle with a bunch of his buddies. Oh, okay. And like they were just basically confined. It was like home confinement. But oh, in like was on a, a fun castle. Yeah, but he was in a castle with all his buddies and they could drink and yeah. have women over. And... I've been on home arrest before. Yeah. yeah. And, you know. what I did. <laughs> drink you try to commit you try to overthrow the, the German government? That's exactly what I did when I was on the bracelet. <laughs> I was like, I bet you from my computer right here, I can overthrow the Germany government. And uh, I started, and then I saw, like, this hot picture and got distracted, and yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so next time, maybe. But um, you know what you probably didn't do while you were on house arrest? What's that? Ride Mein Kampf. Uh, you know what? You're right. I didn't. You didn't. <laughs> Hitler did. While he was incarcerated, he wrote his, I guess, seminal work, Mein Kampf. And the publicity of the attempted attempted coup and his new PR team made Hitler a renowned political figure. Uh, so continued economic strife and what was absolutely petty fuckery between the other German political parties landed the idiot Schittler into the Chancellery of Germany in 1933. I just oh. wanted to say really quickly, um, here at Lightyear Bunsen Burner, we have nothing against German people. We just don't like Hitler and Nazis. Exactly. Exactly. We love German people. We love I, the Germans. My best friend is a German. But we don't like the Nazis. <laughs> I'm not a German. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She says that with her purple hair. Yeah, right. Because all sure. Germans have purple hair. <laughs> so, once... Hitler was in power, he straight up murdered 400 Nazi members who were potential threats to him in something called the Night of the Long Knives. Damn. Mm-hmm. Just rounded them up and, like, executed them. Okay, no knives involved? Or, or what? I mean, probably. Okay. I think the name, the Night of the Long Knives, is something from a speech that he gave afterwards or something like that. Oh. 
Um, so Hitler did have every intention of expanding Germans' borders as far as possible, you know, Lebensraum, you know, living space. So in the mid-1930s, he began secretly rebuilding the German army in clear violation of the Versailles Treaty. In 1938, Germany was allowed to annex the Sudetenland when Hitler threatened to take it by force. This was the policy of appeasement that obviously didn't work because in September of the following year, Germany invaded Poland. And then France and Germany immediately declared war on Germany. So, Hitler was expecting war with France and Britain, but he hoped to swiftly crush the two powers while keeping peace with the Soviet Union. But let's skip ahead a bit. He knew he could have beat the Russians. No, nobody can beat the no, Russians. Man. They have people to just throw into the gutter. Oh, yeah. Not only that, but, I mean, their environment, mm -hmm, they couldn't mm -hmm. fight. Um, and plus, I don't know, I watch a lot of YouTube videos where, <laughs> like, they'll have, like, fucking... 30 like American dudes ready to brawl and then like 10 German or I mean 10 Russian guys just come up and knock them all out. Like check out some of the Russian brawling, man. It's fucking dope. So yeah, that's smart. Get your get Russian. Huh? Check out the Russian brawling. <laughs> yeah. Get Russia on your team. <laughs> so uh yeah, check out the Russian brawling. Yeah. But <laughs> so yeah, because of that, Hitler's plan didn't, you know, work out. Germany Germany did win some early victories, some, you know, invading France really quickly and, like, taking over super quickly. Um, but in the end, uh, they ended up in a futile two-front war. So this brings us to the end of World War II. By late 1944, the German war machine was running on fumes. The successful Allied inv invasion of France established a Western Front, other Allied troops were advancing into Italy, and Benito Mussolini was deposed, so Hitler found himself with a buddy short. By January of 19... Okay. Yeah. He, he was... He lost a, his buddy. Hmm. Um, but by January of 1945, the Red Army, those Russian brawlers, had captured Poland and East Prussia, while the U.S. and British troops collapsed German defenses in the Ardennes. Hitler and his close entourage retreated to the Führerbunker in Berlin. Okay, the Führerbunker. <laughs> Führerbunker, uh, where he would spend the last months of the war getting hella high and ranting or whatever. Whoa, so that fool would get high? He got, by the end of the war, he was on so much, like, amphetamines. Like, his doctor was just pumping pumping him full of shit. I guess you would have to be that fucked up to do that kind of fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. So, as Soviet forces over overtook Berlin on April 30th, Hitler did what he should have done years ago and killed himself. Yay! Yay! I will drink to that. Yeah. Hitler's death tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this California beer. So this brought the end to the 1,000-year Reich, which really only lasted about 12 years. Okay. So much for the Aryan race. Mm -hmm. So now let's get into the our actual topic, which is Operation Paperclip. And if you've never heard of it, I have a, never heard of there's it. There's a really, really great book called Operation Paperclip that kind of goes into a, a lot more detail than we're going to. But let's just kind of go, let's give you what we have. So Operation Paperclip did not appear out of the ether. There was a buildup during the final years of the war as Allied troops pushed deeper and deeper into the former German territories. And what Operation Paperclip was a an attempt by the U.S. government to recruit former German Nazi scientists 
to work for the U.S. Oh. Covertly. We um, will not make you a war criminal if you can work for us. That's the gist of it. Yeah. So the operation did not officially begin under this name, under Operation Paperclip, until July of 1945, two months after the surrender of the German army. However, there was a series of ongoing and overlapping operations to loot or destroy German technology before the Soviets and other Western powers, including France, could claim it. Ultimately, the program would bring over 1,600 German scientists and technicians, including probable or proven war criminals, uh, and it ran from 1945 up to 1990. Damn, really? And, yeah, and the the latter part was more of just keeping track of them than actually trying to re- recruit more of them. Okay. Um, it is... It is a massive web of intelligence maneuvers and people. We could do an entire multi-season podcast just on this topic, but for the sake of brevity, we're going to focus on just a few aspects of it and two of the major scientists involved. Are we going to get into like the crazy experiments that they did? We'll touch on it. Yeah, oh, a man. little bit. Um, severed heads. I don't, we don't talk. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Aww. Um, so a predecessor of Paperclip was Operation Alsos. This was an offshoot of the Manhattan Project's engineering district. And do you remember what the Manhattan Project was, Jonah? I do. They were um, making uh, nuclear weapons, weren't they? Yes, they were. Yeah, for the war. Mm-hmm. On the American side. Mm-hmm. So its purpose was to learn how close the Nazis were to developing their own atomic weapon. Because we have to know how our enemy is doing on the same weapon that we're building. Um, so due to the top secret and technical nature of the nuclear weaponry, scientists first in the U.S. and British technologies were actually entrusted with the mission. So there was actually a group of just straight up like scientists that were going on these like secret missions to try to get this intelligence. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the kind of scientist I want to be, where I get to go on missions and like, shit like fuck. that. Well, like, it's like you're you're having to infiltrate uh, German-controlled. Jonah Bob. Jonah Baker. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'll go to Germany and and be like, I am the German. <laughs> it wasn't like that. But, um, and give me the secrets. So I can be German like you. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll be like, all right, this guy's legit. He's and legit. Then, <laughs> when they speak in an American accent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, like, and so then like, I'll get all the plans and stuff and I'll come back to California and I'll be like, I'm a scientist, but I also got the goods. <laughs> but I also got two guns. <laughs> Operation Paperclip. Operation <laughs> Okay, yeah. Okay. You got it. We're done. All right. Have a great night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so these scientists, they they would track down and interrogate, you know, German scientists employed by the Reich in Italy and occupied France. So this was before, you know, German Germany was still kind of holding on to power when okay. Operation also started. Damn, we snuck in pretty early. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. So we're not getting involved. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so they would parse through seized documents from these scientists and determine that. No- um, so they parsed through seized documents from these scientists and determined that the Nazis had failed at developing an atomic bomb, but they were engaged in chemical and biological weapons. Mm-hmm. So they were. Was that Fritz or whatever his name was? Oh, he was oh no, in World for, War he was World War One. Yeah, but they were using what 
Fritz had kind of developed mm -hmm. to create other stuff. So, in addition to ALSOS, the Combined Intelligence Objective Subcommittee, or CIOS, which rolls off the tongue marvelously. CIOS. So, yeah, the CIOS and their associated T-forces, which is much cooler sounding, yeah. um, they were also in pursuit of Nazi scientists and technologies. The CIOS was a joint American and British effort whose goal was to... Uh, investigate anything related to German science. So, okay, but more importantly, the T-Force, who was, what were they composed of? So the T-Forces were elite squadrons of soldiers which accompanied combat troops as they captured German industries and weapon plants. T-Force? T-Force! Nice. <laughs> Their mission was to secure the facilities, ensuring that documents were not destroyed and key personnel did not escape. So they were like the team that went in and secured, locked down the spot, kept everyone... You know, there. The real motherfuckers. Yeah. T force. And then the With CIOS like agents. Yeah. Some like army dudes and I don't know, like Cyclops, I guess. <laughs> like the mutant Cyclops? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cyclops is part of the T force. And Wolverine, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they would, yeah, the T forces would lock down the place and then CIOS agents would you know, show up and then they were the ones who would, you know, scour the place for any and all information and they would interrogate the staff. So like the T-Force was like the muscle and okay. then the CIOS was like the brains. So they were the perfect team. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Damn, T-Force. So like, so I could be T-Force and you could be CIOS. Hey, right. you're the muscle, I'm the brain. You're an elite squadron of soldiers. I am all in one. <laughs> But that's only when I'm not on a secret mission as a German scientist. There you go. So, um, ALSOS and the CIOS had kind of a slight rivalry. I mean, they're they're working for for the U.S., but at the same time, they're like in different departments of like you know the war effort. Um, so they would try to get to be the first ones to get to like a when they would capture like a plant or anything or like a factory, they would try to get there first. And sometimes, like, let's say Alsos is on the way to this, like, French, for, for this uh, factory in, like, the French area. So, like, they're going, and then T-Force would, like, swoop around and cut them off and get there first. Oh, so there's, there was a lot of that happening. But, okay. you know, they would also, they would work together a lot, too, especially when there was, like, huge caches of documents and, like, a bunch of, like, captured scientists that, you know, they needed all hands on deck to, like, figure out what these people knew. So then when the shit went down, they would get serious. But yeah. when it wasn't that serious, they would have some There was a competition. competition. Yeah, okay. there was quite a bit of competition. Go T-Force. Are you Team T-Force or I am Team, team Alsos? I'm Team Team Force because Deadpool's on T-Force. And, I mean, there's times where, like, all, you know, also scientists, they would be accompanied by T-Force people. Oh. Like, you know, in one instance, they're, like, in the middle of, like... So like some some French area, and like they ha they have captured the apartment of a a Nazi scientist, and they're going through his papers, and like the T force guards are are like sitting down playing cards while the scientists are like reading all these technical papers and like all the notes and letters of the scientists. That is such a badass. Scene. Yeah, like they have like their their weapons like posted up against the door. Yeah. That is a it's like just imagine yeah. like that's the opening scene of a movie. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Starring Jonah Baker. Okay. <laughs> I'll be in it. 
Me and um, oh yeah, Bruce oh we'll Willis. have to. We gotta have Bruce Willis in it. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah, Bruce. So, Will, me and him be, will be on T Force. Oh, you are on T Force, and then I'll be the the and sexy, the, also scientist. Yeah, and you can be accompanied by Daniel Day Lewis, who's yeah. also a sexy uh, scientist type. And um, so then, like, you guys are like getting all the information, but you kind of got this like love affair. Like, you guys really want to hook up, but you know job is, like, number one, you know. But, yeah, you both still really want to And then in up. the middle of a firefight. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then like, all these fucking soldiers will come up. But then me and Bruce Willis will, like, like get motorcycles and run them into to tanks and they'll blow up. But and, you still survive somehow? Oh, of course. <laughs> you know? Bruce Willis. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, yeah. So... back to this when the also's mission entered germany the new goal was to keep any german scientists or technology from falling into soviet hands so now by the time that we we that we start uh gaining territory in germany there's another race going on and that's between like the western allied powers and the soviet union and then that's to capture as much space as possible as many of the german scientists as possible as many of the as much of the german technology as possible so the red army is coming from the the eastern area and the you know like uh british american french troops are coming in from the west and they're just trying to race to berlin bam yeah um, so, in April of 1945, Operation Harborage and Operations Big sought to rush into Heckingen, Heckingen, Germany. Heckingen, it's a, Heckingen. Ah, I looked at the pronunciation too. Heckingen, Germany, and capture any German scientists and documents regarding nuclear weaponry. So they're still trying to see what they have because by this point we kind of have the bomb, but we haven't dropped it. Right? Okay, yeah. Because right. we don't drop in on Hiroshima and Nagasaki until August of 1945. All right, so back to being Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> like, our operation will be called Operation Ivy. All right? And um, Operation what? Ivy. Ivy. Yes. Okay. Okay. And, yeah. Okay, back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was more. Okay. So Some of you will get that. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> I don't understand that reference. Like probably like the best ska band ever, or some shit like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like Poison Ivy. Oh, Poison Ivy, Batman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she could be there too. Okay. All right. This is Operation an interesting Ivy. movie. <laughs> All right. We she's got... defending the the Nazi scientists. Is right? she? She would because she's a bad guy. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. okay. Anyways, so we have Operation Harborage and Operation Big. Um, the maneuvers took into custody noted scientist Otto Hahn, who had, you know, presided over the discovery of nuclear fission. And later on, they captured Werner, Werner Heisenberg, who had headed the German nuclear program. Oh, damn. So they knew exactly what they wanted. Yeah. And remember, nuclear fission is like not fishing, okay? <laughs> You're not fishing for nuclear fish. It's right. splitting the atom. But I saw Han was there. Han, oh, Otto yeah. Han. Don't worry, me and Bruce Willis will take care of Han. Okay. All right. We're taking care of the Han. <laughs> <laughs> Getting down to business to, to defeat the Han. Exactly. To defeat Otto Han. <laughs> Damn you, Otto Han. <laughs> Heisenberg. 
Um, so both men were moved and detained in England under Operation Epsilon. So there's a ton of these secret operations happening uh, at all points in the in the war. So, and people in one operation not know about the other operation going Sometimes on. Sometimes they don't. You know? some of, like some of the like some of them were so top secret. So like Operation Paperclip was so top secret. You know there was that 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 group of um, like that division of like Nazi hunters in the U.S. Department that would like track down like war criminals and like make sure that they got you know that they were tried. You know. Okay. They didn't even know that this had happened. Oh wow. Yeah. So, yeah, everything's all secret. Mm-hmm. Super secret. Need to know basis. Mm-hmm. Imagine these motherfuckers in a bar drinking after like Ooh. 60 years, you know? They'd be like, yeah, Operation happened. Big was the operation. I'm like, nah, man, Operation It was Epsilon. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but getting back to Paperclip. So, the German multi-campaign failed effort to invade Russia between 1941 and 1944 depleted German resources, seeking to find new forms of protecting the greater German Reich from the oncoming from the oncoming Russian counterattack. They began recalling quote-unquote valuable intellectuals back from the front lines. Okay. So, they they tried to invade Russia multiple times, multiple ways. There was huge, disastrous, terrible battles, and they failed ultimately. You but don't invade Russia. You don't fucking invade Russia, people. Um, since they put so many resources and so many soldiers into just doing that, like they basically sucked themselves dry. The Germans mm, did. Okay. So now they're trying to. F- they're like scrambling. Like, oh shit! Oh shit! The the Russians are coming at us. What what can we do? What what do we do? So they're now turning to scientists to develop like new technologies to defend you know the the motherland. Um, so they start you know pulling back all these scientists. So scientists and specialists were per- pulled from their unskilled war duties for work and research and development. Uh, the head of the German Defense Research Council, Werner, everyone's named Werner, by the way. Werner, Werner huh? yeah. Werner. I wonder oh. if they were all like a clan or related or something. <laughs> it's just like, like, oh, like you know, Grandpa Werner was here yeah. earlier on Operation Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, German Defense Research Council uh, head, Werner Ossenberg, created a li- list of these men or these scientists who were proven loyal to the Nazi party. Boo, Ossenberg. The Ossenberg list, as it's now known, cataloged the names of these engineers, scientists, and specialists who were put to work for the Reich. By, by some fluke of faith, as the European war wound down, pieces of the Ossenberg list were found by a laboratory technician uh, shoved down a toilet at the University of Bonn, Poland. So, just so you know, as these different occupied regions so, like, Germany occupied a bunch of area in Europe. As all those um, regions are being recaptured, whether it's by the the ally, by the Western allies or by the Red Army, these scientists are, like, destroying everything that they have. Like, all their documents, all, like, their different notes, they're destroying it and then they're fleeing. Because most of them don't want to be captured by the Red Army because they're going to be a little bit more coercive in their tactics to get them to yeah. join. Um, yeah. So, on I imagine all that knowledge that was destroyed. Yeah, yeah, That's like terrible. they're burning piles and piles of stuff. Um, 
And in one occasion, you know, in Poland, as the Red Army's coming on, like the like University of Bonn had been used as like a, a research facility for for the Germans, and like the scientists fled, but they didn't like they were trying to destroy a bunch of evidence, but part of this list was there and someone tried to flush it down the toilet and it oh. didn't really flush. So a technician like who was kind of helping them like, you know, look for stuff found it and he thought that it, it was important. So, you know, he handed it over to um, the uh, also intelligence agents. So they got a hold of it and then it's made, made its way to MI6, which is like the British intelligence uh, agency, and then it made its way to American intelligence officials. Well, now they're in so trouble. now we have a list of all these German scientists, and using the Ossenberg list, U.S. Major Robert B. Staver compiled his own list of German scientists for capture and interrogation. So he took this list. It's like, oh, these are all really important scientists for the Germans. I'm going to take this list, and these are the guys that we have to capture. And interrogate so and now probably the recruit. Germans will have no army and no scientists. Exactly, um, but there's an issue. Using the Ossenberg list was an issue with using the Ossenberg list was that it specified loyal Nazi scientists. So this list, like only the scientists that were loyal to you know the the Nazi party, were allowed to return to their jobs. You see, the U.S. kind of valued German scientists more than Hitler did. In fact, Hitler detested intellectuals. Well, that's because he was an idiot. Exactly. He was smart and he couldn't get laid, so he was just like, I heard everything. <laughs> I heard everything. Fuck these smarty pants. So at the onset of the war, many individuals at the top of their fields were stripped of their positions and sent to work menial jobs on the front lines. So you could have like professors of, you know, fucking chemistry being thrown into the front lines to, you know, shovel the shit of the horses or something. But once the science, once Germany realized, oh shit, we really need these guys to kind of help us because there's no way we can just win with our German might. We need like these intellectuals. They like called them back, but they made sure that it was only the guys who were loyal, who swore loyalty to the Nazi party and to Hitler. So yeah, it, like I said, it wasn't until the failed Russian invasion that the scientists were, you know, put to use, and most of it was for rocketry, because you know Nazis realized that if you just shoot stuff from far away, you're gonna get less men killed. Uh, so scientists that had, you know, not sworn allegiance to the Reich were suspect, and they were ignored at best. Or else, you know, they were thrown in concentration camps. Um, this meant that when the U.S. intelligence was selecting German scientists for employment in the U.S., they were picking from downright Nazis. Or at least... The loyal. Yeah, at least Nazi sympathizers. Damn. Or people who were very willing to compromise their own ideals to survive, which is understandable in a way, but then they went on to do really terrible shit. Well, bitches um, is what they are. Yeah. Fucking Takashi 69 type shit. <laughs> Yeah, he would have he would have worked for the Reich. <laughs> He'll work for anyone and get him out of jail. Yeah, so using this list led to a lot of ethical conundrums. In particular, were the choices to ignore, whitewash, or completely cover up war crimes. So President Truman officially approved the project, so uh, Operation Paperclip, with the caveat that no Nazi members or sympathizers be admitted. So they weren't allowed to bring any like known Nazi members into the U.S. under this program. 
Regardless, many, 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 many exceptions were made. Oh, I bet. A lot of it unknown to Truman himself, unknown to the president. So Operation Paperclip actually gained its name from the paperclips used on the thick dossiers of most tr- of the most troublesome scientists. So they had like big, you know, files on these people and they clipped them with big old paperclips. Okay. And a lot of them required a lot of scientists to fucking name that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe it was originally called something else but then like they were like grouping all these scientists into like one area and like the locals figured out what it was called and they were like calling it camp whatever and then so they're like oh shit i guess we have to change the name oh okay yeah so when it became a choice between employing former war criminals and ensuring geopolitical dominance one major general wrote quote pride and face saving have no place in national insurance so a, devil bar- a devil's bargain had to be made. And this is where we're going to go ahead and take a break. And we, when we come back, we're going to, you know, talk. About, Get to the cool stuff. Yeah, we're going to talk about a, a couple of these guys. All right. All right. T-Force out. And we're back and we were talking about, you know, the origins, you know, the World War, the origins of Operation Paperclips. And now let's kind of get into. We were talking about T-Force. And (laughs) And T-Force. And we're going to talk about a couple. We talked about that. Uh, Ossenberg list. Oh, so, yeah. one of the main targets of Alsos, the the Project Al- Alsos, and later Operation Paperclip was Werner von Braun. It's a hard name Werner to say. Von Braun. Werner von Braun. The Werner von Braun family goes way back, all the way to Operation whatever Zivak. <laughs> whatever Zivak. <laughs> so, so why was this guy so sought after? Have you heard you, you've heard the name Werner Braun? Right? No, I have not. Really? No. Interesting. And uh, I just figured he's so sought after because he's one of those Nazi Ger- Germany um, fucking scientists that did all the badass experiments. Okay, well, cool. Like, let's chop people's let's head talk off of, and see how long they last. Mm-mm. No. Nope. Let's talk about him. So they really wanted him because it had to do with the Wunderwaffen. What was a Wunderwaffen? These are the wonder weapons. So like these, it. yeah. So these were allegedly highly advanced German weapons and technologies that could turn the tide of the war. In reality, they were mostly propaganda. So, mm. yeah, all talk um, and no bite. Yeah, the German propaganda propaganda machine was churning out these, you know, ideas of like these wonder weapons, these like crazy like rockets and shit that could be, you know, they could travel like 500 miles and like destroy London in one strike. Which but we have now. We we have that now, yeah. <laughs> but Germany didn't. So mostly propaganda except for the V-type weapons. And I have you heard of at least, you know, the V-2 rockets? Um, no, I have not. Okay. Okay. So, so. V-2s, the V stood for Virgelstongswaffen. <laughs> Yes, Virgelstongswaffen. I ate there one time. 
was hella bomb. <laughs> you, so <laughs> that that translates to retaliatory weapon. Nice. So these were liquid ethanol and ox- oxygen fueled rockets that could travel up to fifty miles upward with a hundred and twenty mile trajectory. So. They'd go up 50 miles, and then they travel forward about 120. Nice. So you could strike something pretty far uh-huh. away. So it was essentially the first space rocket. Um, but the most advanced feature of the rocket was its automated guidance system. Once it was in the air, gyroscopes would track its position. If there was any deviation from its trajectory, an analog computer would adjust rudders to keep it on course. Badass. Mm-hmm. It was basically light years ahead of what any other country had been able or willing to do with their rockets. Like, if you recall from our Jack Parsons episode, no other countries were willing to touch rockets yep. because they thought it was child's play. Mm-hmm. So at the onset of, you know, World War II, the U.S. was so far behind from Germany. Like, the Germans, like, saw it right away because, you know, being, like, a small country... <laughs> They had to get creative with their shit. Yeah. You know, Plus they, they didn't were losing right and left. Yeah. Like they didn't have like the resources, like whether that was like the materials or, you know, the manpower to just, you know, throw shit into the whatever. So yeah, they were super advanced. It still adult. Germans are badass. They were really creative. I'll give them that. <laughs> so even though um the V2 rocket had been developed later in the war. It had already been deployed against London, Paris, and Antwerp with devastating effect. Really? These were huge rockets that were really accurate, and they destroyed large portions of their targets. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. So in Britain alone, it killed over 2,700 people. And that should be a number, you know, that should be a big enough number that it will make you shudder when you hear it. (laughs) But... It gets worse. Really? Yeah. So V2s were primarily constructed in a secret underground factory called the Metalwork near the Buchenwald concentration camp in central Germany. The German war machine was not going to waste able-bodied Germans on building rockets. Oh, no. Not when they could utilize slave labor, which was sourced from the nearby concentration camps. So prisoners were polled based on their technical skills and then worked to death. Up to 20,000 people died building the V-2 rockets for the German war machine. That's so sad. Yeah. Slave laborers worked in unsanitary conditions without sunlight and little to no food. If they were slow, they were severely beaten, shot, or hanged. Towards the final days of the war, when the emaciated slaves couldn't keep up with the quality demands of, you know, such a high-tech rocket, up to 57 a day were hanged by managers who suspected sabotage. So, you're working these prisoners to death. You're not giving them any food. They're, you know, in unsanitary conditions. They're being constantly beaten. And these are really technical, like, very technically advanced equipment. So Not to you, mention, these are like human bodies breaking down. Yes, exactly. And you, they're the ones breaking them down and then turning around and accusing them of sabotage because right. they won't even give them a fucking meal to eat. Well, so what was happening is like the these like the V two the quality of the V two rockets was starting to diminish. Like so, they would like explode midair. They wouldn't launch. Like they would fail to explode. All these like things were happening because the people building these rockets were being 
they were like dying. They were corpses. Just imagine like the quality of the work that you do when you're kind of sleepy. Now think of being starved for months. (laughs) They should have started a a hashtag V2 movement. Oh my God. No, Jonah. (laughs) Maybe they even got somewhere. This is not a laughing matter. No, Jonah. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is bullshit though. Yeah. "Yeah, uh, For reals though, you know, like how dumb are you? Yeah, you know what I mean. And you're, yeah, and then they're turning around. And it's like, and, and like what? Them sabotage, like, but they can't what could work. possibly be wrong here? That we're using slaves, starving them to death, and expecting them to perform high quality technical work, or they're sabotaging us? Like, no, this is. So, to quote one war crimes report, quote, they were hanged in the tunnels with the help of an electrically controlled crane, a dozen at a time. Their hands bound behind their back, a piece of wood was put in their mouth to prevent shouting. Yeah. Yeah. So, George Reiki, an engineer, an and Arden Nazi was the general manager of the metalwork factory. Under his supervision and with input from men like Werner von Braun, Walter Dornberg, and Arthur Rudolph, who all of these, all four of these men were eventually recruited by by uh, Operation Paperclip. So they they decided to direct the SS to enslave even more skilled laborers. See, we should have got a hold of them. And then made them some slaves and be like, build me a fucking rocket, but I ain't going to feed you your ass. Now, instead, we gave them cushy, you know, army contracts. And yeah. So on one occasion in 1944, Von Braun himself, you know, quote unquote, placed an order, for lack of better words, for slaves from the Buckenwald concentration camp. He personally went to the camp to, quote unquote, seek out more qualified detainees. So Von Braun visited the underground factory at least 10 times during early 1945, meaning that he knew exactly and was complicit with the atrocities occurring there. So I'd like to order a dozen uh, detainees, slaves, please. Yes. (laughs) I have a couple rockets that need to be built. Uh, Could you supersize that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's so... No, the motherfucker knew. He knew. He He knew. Like, they all knew. Like... like these motherfuckers, uh, all just following orders. Fuck you and your fucking orders. Yeah, you know, exactly. like if my manager came up to me and said, "Hey, you know your coworker over there? Go hit him or something." Like, no, <laughs> like, no. Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it depends which coworker, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. So now von Braun was a cunning little shit. When it became clear that the war was lost, he developed a plan to surrender to the Americans. He knew how sought after the V-2 rocket designs were, so he had two subordinates hide all his documents relating to the weapon in a mine shaft. So literally, he had these two guys go bribe this guy from that had like access to this mine, this abandoned mine. They went in and they stashed this, those documents, and then they blew up the entrance of the mine. So they so people couldn't get in, and then they just didn't they didn't tell anybody. So it was just these three people who knew where this where the this stash of information was. Damn. Yeah. So Bon Braun planned to use his skill and knowledge of the whereabouts of these documents as a bargaining chip, as he later stated, "Quote: The V two was something we had, and you didn't have. Naturally, you wanted to know all about it." So see now, me and Bruce Willis was there. I mean, a whole different story. 
We're like, fuck your fucking negotiations. We don't negotiate with Nazi terrorists. I would motherfuckers. Yeah. I would have I would pay money to see Bruce Willis just, you know, smash Werner von Braun's face into a table or a wall. Huh. Or or take his head and, and use it to like um clear all the rocks to get the to the information. <laughs> Using Von Braun as a shovel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So that's going to be in the movie. <laughs> who's, playing, who's playing Von Braun? Mm, that Giovanni guy? No, I haven't. There's another guy that I... Um, oh, okay. So Von Mine. Braun. The guy who played Hans in Die Hard? I never watched Die Hard. Oh, oh man, you hello. Right now. I'm waiting for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Christmas day. It is. Um, Let's see. Uh, what's his name? Christoph Waltz. Okay. <laughs> you know who that is? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, did you ever watch um, Inglorious Bastards? He was like the Nazi guy. Oh, I don't want okay. to typecast him as a Nazi. No, people see people should not be afraid of typecasting. Try okay. harder, you won't be typecast. And what's wrong but with he's being typecast? Really good. I wish I could get typecast and some shit. To be honest, that'd be awesome. <laughs> okay, so Christoph Waltz is going to okay. play Werner von Braun in yeah, our Operation Paperclip. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you know von Braun surrendered. So I didn't include it here, but what happened, Von Braun, um, they were taking all the scientists from the the place that he was like the, the lead of, and they were going to take them out, but he like convinced them that it'd be better. Like they had them, like the Nazis, the SS officers had them under lockdown, like all these scientists, but he convinced them that it'd be better if like he, if they let these scientists go hide in like public and like the among like the like the villagers and stuff or just live yeah because i mean he like that was the only way he would be able to escape and so then he made it out to uh, austria so Werner von braun his brother and many members of his engineering team made it out to austria where they surrendered to american forces and actually they were like hiding out in this like little resort um and they saw like some american forces and they're like okay well Von Braun, you're too well known. Let's send your brother. Um, so his brother rode down this like mountainside on a bike and he came up on this like American officer and he's like, so my brother invented the V2 weapons that killed a bunch of your people. He wants to surrender. You want to talk? <laughs> you know, um, I, I almost hate to hate on Von Braun, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, he's a dick, but like he was a savvy a dick, smart, he, smart dick. Yeah, uh, those are very, very rare. Very, 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 the Wiener Schnitzel. Who is the how you the American say dick? Dick, the dick. Okay, so yeah, so he ended up surrendering and. Of course, since he was this really prominent German scientist, there was a press conference. Uh, so following his surrender, he said this regarding giving V2 information to the, to the U.S. Quote, we wanted to see the world spared another conflict such as Germany had just been through. And we felt that the only that only by surrendering such a weapon to people who are guided not by laws or materialism, but by Christianity and humanity, could such an assurance to the world be secured. 
This guy's full of shit. He's not shite. so full of shit. <laughs> like total, total fucking shite. Exactly. Like, oh my god, you were commissioned. You were getting slave laborers mm-hmm. to work on your fucking rocket and you're saying you're like oh it's you know not the loss of materialism but christianity and this needs to be in the right hands he should have had a fucking at least stay a month in prison with big bubba or something you know like that's some bullshit america yeah. like i mean we came up on it and that's great but i mean come on you know yeah so let's let's kind of finish up von braun so von braun arrived in the u.s in the fall of 1945 he was one of the most valuable recruits of operation paperclip undoubtedly his nazi party membership was expunged his resume falsified and his involvement with war crimes eh, forgotten like yeah eh, just a minor note here you know they just whited that out us. from his file. Now imagine this motherfucker had a bunch of American soldiers as slaves working on his V two movement and shit like that. You know, like well, we would have fucked them up. Well, some of the slaves were French. Like they were like oh no, they finding, were our allies at the time. Yeah, yeah, they were like finding like you know skilled, um, captured French, you know people to work in these mines. It, yeah, yeah, people. The so, French help us get our independence. That's true, Lafayette. Yes, so Von Braun became an eminent rocket scientist in America whose work on the Saturn rocket helped get men to the moon. He died free and honored in 1977 in Virginia. Honored? Yeah, he okay, was... Okay, that's... We gotta draw a line somewhere. Like, this motherfucker's honored now? Like, there was, like, Disney specials. Like, like specials, like, from Disney produced... To, like, you know, let him speak. And, like, he wrote books about, like, space travel. And, like, he was just, I think he was given several, like, medals and stuff. Like, and, you know, he gave us, like, a leg up on in the space race. Punishment but don't fit the crime. He, yeah, he was a fucking Nazi. A Nazi hero. Mm-hmm. American Nazi hero. Pretty much. Yeah, so that was Von Braun. Now, there is another scientist of note um, who was... You know, kind of recruited by Operation Paperclip, and this was Dr. Walter Scheiber. Zidata Walter Scheiber. Now, is he as much of a a shite as the Zivan Ban? Oh, he's fucking. Ooh, yeah. So let's talk about him. Uh, so, a chemist by training, he was the chief of the armament supply office under the under Reich Minister of Armaments and War Production. Albert Speer. So Speer is another big guy, and I think he was also recruited under Paperclip, and he's, like, one of those Nazis who, like, talked, because, you know, at the end of the war, he went to see Hitler in his bunker, and Hitler was like, well, you're gonna flee, so fuck you. So this guy was, like, heartbroken and, like, was like, fine, well, I'm gonna go with the Americans. Um, oh, Hitler broke his heart. Hitler broke his heart. His Führer broke his heart. Um, so Scheiber rose to the title of SS Brigadier Führer. Brigad, Brigadier Führer. Brigadier. You want to try that? Mm, no. <laughs> SS, SS, so it's basically like a Brigadier General, but it's like Brigadier Führer. Um, and he's Bri- Brigadier Führer. Brigadier Führer. SS Brigadier Führer. Yeah, close enough. Okay. So, and he served as a liaison liaison to IG Farben, an industrial conglomerate that supplied all the chemicals to the Reich. So IG Farben is like a chemical company. Okay. Okay. So in addition to detergent and commercial chemicals, IG Farben was involved in the production of toxins for chemical warfare. 
damn. So this guy was like, Von Bon was just making some rockets that did kill a bunch of people. I have a feeling this guy's about to get into some dirty shit. Oh, yeah. So as a liaison to the company, Scheiber was intimately involved with the production production of these weapons. One of Hitler's most closely guarded secrets was the creation of the nerve agent Tabin. So Tabin is similar to organophosphate insecticides in their mode of action and effect. And if you have seen the pain death strokes of an insect sprayed with those chemicals, you can kind of imagine the effects it would have on humans. It acts by hyper-stimulating glands and muscles, causing the respiratory system to fail. Eventually, you become paralyzed, and you can't breathe. Yeah. So, IG Fabian constructed an underground nerve agent production facility near the Polish village of Dijenfurth. They really like building shit underground. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it is so that... Because they would like build these um, these uh, like facilities underground, and then they'd like kind of plant forests on top of it, so it blend in with the area around it. Okay. Um, Plus, I mean, say something goes wrong, there's an explosion or or a um, gas outbreak or whatever. They it's... don't give a shit about that. Oh, no, it's more like they don't want like Allied powers like finding it and trying Damn. to bomb it. Like, they did such smart shit for the most simple-minded things and Mm -hmm. reasons. So, much like the metalwork rocket factory, Taban production was performed by slave labor. Again, uh, prisoners filled artillery shells, so they're, you know, making bombs with, you know, these chemicals. Prisoners filled artillery shells and bomb casings with the toxin, marking them with three three green rings to denote the presence of the nerve agent. So, like, each bomb had, like, its own denotation. Like, if it had, like, sarin, they'd, like, put something on it. If it had, like, mustard gas, they put something, like, different on it. If it had, like, you know, chlorine gas, it was something different. Tabin had, was three green rings. So, now you didn't have to, like, mix and match your chemicals? Right, right. Like, you know what was in that, that shell, that artillery shell. So, these prisoners wore suits like those of deep-sea divers and were tethered to a fresh air supply by a short tube. If the tube was accidentally detached from the air supply, the prisoner would be exposed to one of the deadliest toxins known at the time. And, Which you know, I imagine happened a lot. Oh, yeah. Yup. There's descriptions of, like, some men, like, because, like, they're, they're these tubes that provide the, the air supply, they're really short. And they have, they have you know, a lot of work to do. So sometimes, like, they go a little too far and, like, that tube just pops right off. And, like, they're starting inhaling these, um, these chemicals. And it's, like, described as, like, an insect dying. Like, they're just, like, gasping for air and, like, they're burning. And, okay. yeah. So... The largest cache of chemical weapons was found on April 16, 1945, when British soldiers found strange bombs marked with three green rings at at an abandoned German army proving ground known as the Robber's Lair. It's a badass name, though. It actually is. And like in German, it's something else, but I didn't want to bother with trying to pronounce (laughs) that, so Robber's Lair. Um, But yeah, like, so the Allies had no, they didn't know about this toxin, about Tabin. They had Uh-oh. no idea what it was. They'd never seen it before. So they they come across this facility and they find that it contained a large zoo. So they had like all these different cages where they could fit like animals of a bunch of different sizes. Um, 
that in it all in all appearance it could have housed a menagerie so it could have housed like elephants and like bears and like rabbits like anything and in the middle of all this was a massive cylindrical chamber so it was likely an aerosol chamber used to test chemical weapons like they're seeing this and they're like the fuck because it's like airtight it's huge like they can fit um a bunch of stuff in there and they're like oh like the alarm bells start ringing and they're like okay what the hell is here so although german scientists at the facility denied knowing what was contained in the bomb so they found the bombs right and there's these like scientists there and they're like we have no idea what's in there they were able to persuade them to help extract some of the liquid inside these these guys knew they knew they They totally knew knew. um so when it was tested on cute little bunnies It killed them five times faster than any other weapon the Allies knew about. Man. Yeah. Them sneaky Germans. Yeah. So, in fact, the Reich had produced enough Tabin to decimate London and Paris. And it's it's a wonder why Hitler never actually used these weapons. Even though, like, a lot of his advisors were like, you need to use these weapons. Interesting. I wonder why he didn't. You know, I mean, he was a madman. Mm-hmm. He was bent on like world domination and shit like that. And they had enough to completely wipe yeah, they, out. Yeah, they were desperate. They were like uh, in like desperate points of a desperate point in the war. See, what they needed to do was take those V V two rockets, fill them up with this gas, and go yeah. shoot them at the Russians. So, like, also the thing about Tabin, it wasn't a gas. Oh, like, no? you didn't have to inhale it. Like, if it got on your skin, yeah. it would kill you. It okay. could be absorbed so by your skin. So, what was it? It was like a liquid. It, was just it a could liquid. be aerosolized. Okay. So, like, if you inhaled it, it would kill you. But it, it you didn't. So, like, one of the things, like, that horrified, like, the British, like, the British intelligence agency as, after they discovered this was, like, they handed out, like, thousands, like, hundreds of thousands of, like, gas masks to their citizens. But... If you know if this was dropped on them, those it would have it, it, it been you know um, horrible. Damn. Yeah, like it, yeah, would have killed them anyway. And so it was like maybe it's like why we don't use the nuke is why he decided not to use that gas. So uh, I don't know if you know this, but Hitler fought in World War One. He I was a World that. War One veteran, and he was he experienced uh, must. Uh, Either mustard gas or, or chlorine gas. Okay. So he was gassed. Um, it's speculated that that experience made him very hesitant to use any chemical weapons. Interesting. Although, I mean, like considering the like how unstable he was by the end of the war, and like the people around him were really growing desperate, um, that they didn't use it on any. Well, I mean, they used the like they they killed a lot of Jewish people and other, you know, people in the concentration camps using gas, but like they never used it in a, um, a battle. Yeah. Like in a battlefield okay. sense. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so that like Dr. Scheiber knew had to have known about this. So one of Dr. Scheiber's task at, you know, in his position as, uh, whatever the fuck, um, was to develop gas masks for the German army. 
So German scientists were forging a sword in the form of poison gas. So they didn't just have Taben, they had they developed sarin gas, they were developing like weaponized mustard gas and chlorine gas. They had like a whole arsenal of different different chemical weapons. So his job was also to develop the shield. So you have the sword and you need a shield, right? Because you know it can come back and bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. As we learned in our Fritz episode. Um, exactly. So, and to make sure that the gas mask designs work properly, Scheiber turned to testing them on concentration camp prisoners. Of course. Mm-hmm. So prisoners were locked in glass rooms and sprayed with nerve gases. So it's thought that these rooms were the predecessors of gas chambers. So this is kind of where they got that idea. It's like, oh, if we put people, we could just put a bunch of people here and just kill them. Be cool. Yeah. Party, yeah. Damn. So, but these were to go like that. So painful and mm-hmm. scary, you know. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Not to get into like a whole lot of it, but like when some of the the like prisoners were brought into the camps, you know, when they were already there, they were like taken to these rooms where they would, you know, quote unquote, be deloused or like they'd be sprayed with stuff to kill like any of like the the lice or anything on them Mm -hmm. so there were times where like they were taken into the rooms they were just expecting to be deloused and then these deadly gases were pumped in and they were killed and uh, terrible yeah so you know gassing prisoners was not the only horrible cruel experiment the Scheiber conducted on camp prisoners in 1943 he was determined to find out the effects of malnutrition on slave laborers so I mean the Reich is really trying to cut down on how much food they give their their concentration camp, um, or like the quality of food that they're giving these these people, these slaves. So he selected 150 of you know these slaves laborers and fed them a crude paste of his own concoction that was made from old clothing. What do you what, what do you think is gonna happen, Jonah? You're gonna get hella sick. There's no yeah. nutrition in that whatsoever. Exactly. If I you're mean, feeding them a paste of old fucking clothes. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're going to yeah. die sooner mm, than later. Exactly. So unsurprisingly, 116 of the prisoners died before the experiment ended. And Scheiber concluded that people cannot survive from feeding them old fucking clothes. No fucking way. I'm shocked. That's science at its purest I form. Guess, huh? So, but due to his knowledge on the Nazis' chemical weapons, Scheiber was targeted for Operation Paperclip. He was able to charm General Charles E. Luke's Lux, or whatever, uh, who was the chief of intelligence for chemical warfare, who was stationed in Heidelberg. So Luke's was so enthralled by the prospects of confiscating German weapons that he found it, quote, more interesting than going down to Paris on weekends. So he was so, like, he was enamored with the idea of, like, all the crazy shit these, like, Nazi scientists did and all, like, the different technologies that they had that he just wanted to, like, hang around them. And one of them was Scheiber. So since, you know, Scheiber was a top Nazi official, hiring him under paperclip was kind of risky because he was, like, you know, Fuhrer, Brigadier Fuhrer or whatever. To minimize any bad publicity on the U.S. side, because, I mean, you know, if you're bringing like a top ranking official and giving them a luxury life, you know, yeah, you're people are going to be like upset. So he, like war crime or something. Yeah. So, I mean, 
with Von Braun, people could be like, okay, so he was just a scientist. He just wanted to build rockets. He was forced to do this. And he turned himself in. But with, like, Scheiber, he's like, this is a bad dude. Like, mm, there's so much, there's only so much we can white out. Um, so, uh, to avoid any bad publicity, they gave him an alias on his dossier and provided no picture. However, at a denazification trial, so, so they're trying to get him to the States and they're like, okay, so let's just do this covertly. We're going to, you know, give him an alias. We're not going to provide a picture on his dossier. He's going to come here. And then they're like, okay, so he's going to have to go through this denazification trial and they're going to find him not guilty or like, they're not going to do anything to him. Uh, but, uh, during this trial, they, you know, he was going to be placed in like, there was like categories of like Nazis. Like, you know, there's like the lower tier Nazis and like the ones the, that were just like, the, okay, they're just I'm following loyal me. to Nazis and then uh, Nazis, they made me do it type mm -hmm. shit. Yeah, exactly. So um, during the denazification trial, he was placed in the category of party activists, mil militarists, and profiteers. So he was sentenced to five years ordinary labor as opposed to hard labor. But he was still he was still hired as a consultant and he was just working in Heidelberg, Germany, while he, you know, appealed his sentence. So like they're like, well shit, we can't really bring you to the US, so you can work over there for us. Um so with General Lux influence, Scheiber was also awarded a one one thousand mark stipend for his work, and he was ultimately shielded from further accountability for his war crimes because you know he helped the U.S. develop industrial production of sarin gas. Scheiber enjoyed a career as a consultant and later as a CIA asset. Oh, brother! Yeah, I guess like the good thing of that is that General Luck was. A fucking fool. It later came to light that Scheiber was also serving as a Soviet mole and, <laughs> and he was a large-scale weapons dealer on the side. So he was working for the Russians and he was also sailing, selling weapons. So the man that Luck befriended wrote about in his diary and exchanged Christmas cards with played him for, like a fucking fiddle. So what you get for trusting a fucking Nazi? Don't trust a Nazi, guys. Nope. You punch him in the face. Yep. So now these were, you know, only two cases of the, you know, 1,600 individuals who were recruited under Operation Paperclip. But many of these were self-serving Nazis or Nazi sympathizers who did not want to fall into, the so into Soviet hands. In that sense, the U.S. intelligence agency services and these individuals shared a common goal. Like, they didn't, no one wanted these guys to go to the Soviets. So the result of the project was over 10 billion in patents and industrial processes, a victory in the space race, and, you know, a deadly stockpile of chemical weapons here in the U.S. But we kind of wiped the blood off their hands with the soul of our country. So we came up. Yeah. We, we came up and we kind of looked the other way. For for a few people, yeah. Well, well sixteen hundred and yeah. their families, yeah. Yeah. So, Jonah, is there anything you want to add? Fuck them. Fuck the Nazis. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, they could have. Fuck them. <laughs> uh, it is weird though. Yeah. Like how you mentioned the whole sell your soul. Yep. You know because like 
because this is just one aspect. We got a lot of information from them, Mm -hmm. um, medical and on and on and on, you know, um, and it's, it's just sad. It really is. Like, there's nothing like, I mean, besides like, what did we get out of them? Like, okay, we didn't even touch the medical side, which did maybe help our country, but all that we got on this podcast is more war. Yep. Like, like, yeah, like more weapons, which is just like really the but. key, like the key things that they were like when also when the operation also was in effect, like they were looking for to, for like information on their nuclear program. So um, in my movie, I would change the history up a little bit, and me and Bruce Willis would be just fucking kicking it up. ass. Yeah, you know, like. I'll have a fucking gun to his head and then I'll like switch to three weeks earlier or something like that. And then <laughs> four weeks in the future, dude's dead and how we like celebrating. And I'll go back to present time. Mm-hmm. You know, meanwhile, you and Daniel Day Lewis, you doing um, your thing, you know? Yes. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Nazis. Yeah, really. But. And now remember the question episode we had? Yes. Uh, we had a question about when ethics goes too far. Uh, for our scientific knowledge, this might be one of those cases. Yeah. Mm. But I don't, yeah. And I don't think like this one specifically isn't necessarily like science. Well, no. Yeah. Cause I mean like the, the Nazi scientists didn't have to do these horrible things to. They could have came to America before the war started mm-hmm. and hooked us up. Like Einstein. Einstein. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he was also kind of forced out because he was Jewish, but. Hmm. Oh well. Yeah, I mean. Say la vie. Oh, like uh, Niles Bohr. He he escaped from <laughs> from Nazi Germany. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the episode, guys. So we want to thank Ooh. everyone for kind of like sitting through that. If you liked the show or appreciated the show for what it was you can go to apple podcast and give us a rate and review if you want to be more amazing and help us you know drink these memories away uh you can donate to the show by going to anchor.fm slash pod and clicking the support this podcast button if you want to share your opinions about this episode or if, or if you want to make a suggestion for future episodes, maybe some that aren't so dark, you can email us at bunsenburnerpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on the internet at our website, bunsenburnerpod.com. We're also on Twitter at bunsenburner19 and on Instagram at bunsenburnerpod. You can find me directly at Gatos and Tiaras on Twitter and Instagram or you can search my name on Facebook. I'm sure you will find me. And Jonah, do you want to tell them how they can reach out to you? You can reach out to me by getting me a beer. And then I'll buy you one back. If that doesn't work, <laughs> then uh, you can find me at BakerBase at Yahoo.com. That's B-A-K-R-B-A-S-S at Yahoo.com. Or just type in Jonah Baker on Facebook and you'll find me. Yes. Oh, and just before I forget, I want to thank John Oddway for letting us use his song Bunsen Burner as the theme to our show. He's definitely not a Nazi. You think he's a scientist? Oh, yeah. Did you listen to that song? It's a badass song. (laughs) It really is. Yeah, so you guys go listen to to his music and find out. We should have like an Operation John Oddway. Operation Oddway? Operation Uh, Oddway. Operation Oddway. Yeah, where is this a whole... Um, what's it called? 
What Operation of listening to his music. We're trying to put together the best band in history. Oh, okay. Okay. Or yeah. and then punch Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds fun. Okay, people. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>